Welcome back, everybody, to Talk of the Now podcast, and I am your host, Gene, and we have Jason of the Jasonian Institute of Co-Hosts. What's up, Jason? <laughs> uh, nothing much, man. I'm here. Yeah, Jason's here because his air condition's out. Woo! We're not here because your air conditioner out. It just happens to be out. How long has it been out tonight? Uh, well, since the power search happened, so since about probably three. Oh, my gosh. Fun times. Jeez. Yeah. Might have to go. You have you, do you have any fans or anything to kind of blow you around? Oh, yeah. I've got a few fans. So That's I've good. Got the, and I've got the attic fan on because there's still one of those in this house. So. Well, now you can get – you could probably, you know, acquire a little bit more of a southern, you know – yeah. renaissance man kind of talk because you got to always oh, me talk you know? have, a, have a funeral fan going and little shelby foot yeah. sort of yeah. accent yeah and have a you know i look like every movie set in the south i'll be sweating yeah <laughs> i just saw shelby foot on the tv because uh the pbs network where i live is showing the baseball documentary um which is one of my favorite if not my favorite documentary of uh, ken burns yeah and it was really um I, i'd forgotten that he was in the baseball documentary yeah and he was really good he relayed a story of um going to see babe ruth and apparently him and his uncle and a, bro a cousin or something went to see like he said back in those days and i guess you know this is probably 1980s when he relayed this story he I guess this was, it should have been during his playing years, the thirties, maybe, I don't know how old Shelby foot was at the time, maybe 11 or something. And he said that you could just go up to the hotel room where a baseball player was, and you could just knock on their door. Like if you could find their door and you just knock on their door. And he said, yep. they went up to Babe Ruth's number and he was like, well, me and my, you know, we went up, my uncle, we went up to the door and, you know, knocked on the door and this large man came out biggest, one of the biggest mans I'd ever seen. It was bronze. He said that it was uh, Lou Gehrig. He's like, what can I do for you, son? He's like, well, we're here to see Mr. Babe Ruth. And so he turns around. He said, Babe Ruth came to the door. And he's like, what can I do for you, son? And he was like, well, we're just, his uncle was like, well, me and my uh, my son and his cousin just wanted to see you, Mr. Ruth. And he was like, oh, nice to meet you. And he was like, and uh, that was my Babe Ruth story. Wow. That's pretty crazy. I was like, I just can't even imagine trying to like, if you just wanted to go see, I don't know, uh, any baseball player, you know, somebody like Danzy Swanson, you just want to go in their, their hotel room in New York and just say hello. <laughs> if I would that'd be possible. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's not even nearly famous as Babe Right. Ruth. So it's just so funny. I, it, oh, what yeah. cracks me up is most people probably don't realize this that, and I think, and I say most because from what I gather from media and reading about, your common person today and their into their um educational level that up until a point maybe the civil war or maybe even after it a little bit as a citizen you could actually go up to the white house and knock on the door and recruit and request a audience with the president hmm. <laughs> i mean it wasn't you know just and i guess a lot of people just didn't want to do it back then right but there were people that would actually go up there and if they wanted to talk to jefferson you know just knock knock <laughs> i'd like to speak to the president and they would actually answer citizens mail and stuff like that wow but of course i imagine we weren't probably more than a quarter of the population we are now and so right. on and so forth and all the different 
wars and whatnot we've gone through. Anyway, that's just a hmm. side note. I am the I'm the king of side trails. Uh, yeah. What? Um, well, I will. Um, since you mentioned it already, we'll just briefly say this. Unfortunately, Jason, um, would you uh, like to tell the audience what uh, happened this past week? Well, I was employed. I had a better job, and then all of a sudden, I uh, am not employed because of apparently a budget issue. Um, which would have been nice to have just known beforehand and I could have stayed at the old company, but you know, right. So that was kind of weird on the first day I get back and work half a day and then get pulled in the office and told that. So, well, I just thought that I would uh, mention it cause you'd mentioned it before and yeah, at least, uh, you know, weird. It, it's one of those things that happens. It hasn't happened to me before, but I can imagine, you know, it happening and it would not be fun. Yeah. Jason is working his connection, so don't you worry, folks. He'll be he'll be back in the game before you know it. Yep. In the meantime, I hear he's going to just um, <laughs> beg at the local grocery store and play his guitar. That's right. You know, and you never know. Put put the hat out there and see how many dollars he can get per day. It's true. At least that's tax free. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Maybe the local uh, Kroger. I don't know. That's right. Yeah. Go Krogering for some money. Yeah sit outside of your back trunk and get your little uh, lawn chair out there and start, you know, <laughs> playing some blues. Oh yeah. There's apparently a guy in my, um, my hood that somebody was filming the other day that was showing, he was out there playing the guitar and playing some blues. Hmm. I was, um, what, what are you listening to here lately, Jason? Like what do you, what's in your, uh, your playlist that you you keep on going back to lately anything music wise uh just still the same variety nothing really yeah like you're not on a uh a led zeppelin kick where you listen to them a lot or anything no um i'm yeah, i'm pretty varied with my my music even now so yeah well yeah. me as well but i sometimes i'll go through phases where i will for instance listen to rush for several weeks at a time a lot um this week i started listening to i'm, I'm gonna kind of dig into the crosby stills nash and young uh catalog a little bit yeah um yeah i know i know that uh hope new young will remember southern men don't need him around anyhow but yeah, i do like some of his music <laughs> <laughs> um anyway we didn't come here to talk about music jason i I kind of threw an audible today and uh -oh. well, before I get to that, I want to ask you a question. Um, have, um, and, and you can say I'll pass because I know your job and everything is kind of passed or whatever. It's not, uh, not exactly thrilling, but, um, I was thought that we might mention to the audience that, uh, Jason had an anniversary this year. Unfortunately, his father passed away 20 years ago. Yep, um, July 1st so i just i didn't know if you had any thoughts about that or what you kind of uh on your mind with that happening if you wanted to share it if not yeah. just say i'll pass <laughs> i mean um you know i did i mean obviously and you know it never really gets easy but you know it's been two decades and that's kind of crazy um seems like just the other day and then sometimes it seems like it's 40 years ago so you know um mm -hmm. you were in your uh mid-20s right when that happened yeah i was 26 so mm-hmm yeah and uh you know for those listening gene was actually there that night um 
with me. We were watching a movie at the house and mom said right. dad was having chest pain. So that uh, was a long night. Um, uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's just kind of, it's, you know, you remember things, but, you know, he's not here. He's, he's in a better place. I know it's a cliche, but he really is. He's in the best place. So it's like, well, he right. doesn't have to worry about anything anymore. Um, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So he's with Jesus in heaven. Uh, yep. And, um, you know, something I've thought about that you might be able to relay to some people, because who knows who listens to this? Um, True. What kind of, a, like, you know, a lot of times people say, well, if you could go back and talk to your 18-year-old self, um, perhaps, I'm sure there's many people out there who have had a parent pass away in their mid-20s. You think about the mid-20s, it's sort of a midlife, a quarter-life crisis in a lot of ways for a lot of people. And, yeah. you know, you're just trying to figure out where you want to go in your life. Like, what sort of advice do you give to people that may have had a parent or something die and they're only in, the, you know, they're like 24 or 28 years old or something like that? Well, um, it's, I don't know. I think I think I would say don't give up on your, your passions, the things that you're passionate about, because a lot of times that outlet can help you grieve mm. better. And you know, I didn't grieve, I would say, but I, I, grieve, I grieve the way I, I grieved, you know, it, it is what it is. But at the same time, I, I can look back on it and go, okay, I should have took more time to myself to be able to grieve than trying to surround myself and, you know, work and stuff. And I should have done more things for me to be able to, to heal, I guess. Um, you know, I had my sister and my mom to think about, and I was just trying to go into task mode and, yeah. You know, it just you you wind up bottling all that up, and you know, it comes out in weird ways. Um, mm, so, right. yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, well, I think about how um, something like that, though. I think we have to give ourselves grace in some ways because, yeah. If you think about it, for instance, let's imagine that an enormous earthquake randomly hit Atlanta right now, and we were all just on the streets all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. i mean you really don't have a expectation of how that could go or how you would react to it or what you would do about it after that. no no you don't you know? you're right you're there's right. no way to in other words there's no way to prepare for such things um, right and you know and different people grieve in different ways different people you know react in different ways your personality type you you know whether you like to surround yourself with people or you like to go off on your own yeah. Uh, for, for me, I'm obviously extroverted, so I surrounded myself with people. Um, and luckily, I was in a church setting where, at, you know, at the time, um, it was it was good. And and people were around there and people actually ministered to you just in, you know, kind of a social way. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, not everybody has that. And you just wonder how people get through things. Um, right. But you're right. There's no there's no textbook answer for mm -hmm. that and i remember that year that fall they were going to strike for baseball and that was going to go on and i just remember that affected me more than it ever had before because my dad was a huge baseball fan and it was like no don't take baseball from me this year and um luckily it didn't happen um mm -hmm. but that's where you start to to feel it you know like this year this past year with the braves winning um when they really shouldn't have, you know, they, they had no business being there and they, they came back and, 
and really did it, which made it even sweeter. You know, there's that part of me that's like, God, I wish dad could have seen this. Right. You know, even though dad doesn't have a care in the world about this world anymore. <laughs> but for all the seasons, it's like, oh, that was a comeback of all comebacks. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, man, you know, I wish I, you know, dad could have seen that. And uh, so that was a little emotional. I got a little more emotional with that win than I think I normally would have. But that's because, you know, he wasn't there to share it with me. And I was in college when they won in 95. So um wasn't able to to share that moment with him uh mm-hmm. in person so you know you you find yourself grieving in different ways and sometimes you don't even realize you're grieving you know you don't even realize it's part of it mm. until you're on the other side of it and you're like oh wait a minute that was probably yeah. because of that you know yeah 2002 yeah 2002 was a weird year for me in a lot of ways um just before he passed away <clears throat> excuse me the month before i had two of my best friends from college get married on the same day oddly enough <laughs> and uh one of them was married down in thomasville georgia and i went to his wedding because i was in his wedding so i had to skip the other guy's wedding <laughs> yeah. uh it's like it was like having to choose between friends and i'm almost positive though that they did get married on the exact same weekend i could be wrong but it's been so long ago um and that guy he was a good friend um he had gotten married just after his fiance had graduated from college. So she graduated college at the end of June and they got married like two weeks later. And if I'm not mistaken, his mom had, uh, I forget what the disease, it wasn't Lou Gehrig's, but it was something like that. Uh, yeah. muscular dystrophy, something like that. Yeah. Um, and again, I'd have to go back and ask Matt, but I want to say she died like, either right before your dad or not long after your dad. Yeah. I think I remember that vaguely. Yeah. And so that was just such a weird time. It was a weird year. And then we had our other two friends get married to each other in, you know, later that summer. And that was crazy. Jason Lenny. Um, oh, that was that year. Wow. Yeah. I see. I don't even remember yeah, that. So but they I got married to... in July, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know how I remember that wedding. <laughs> I always remember things like that based on some sort of like event thing that happened or yeah. some way that I felt. And I just remember being so hot because they chose an outdoor wedding at the end of July in Atlanta <laughs> in and down in a hole. Yeah. You know, I um, like, this is great, but I'm burning up. I feel like I can melt down the hole next to a Creek. So, you know, mosquitoes, <laughs> heat, perfect. Um, like, I mean, the environment's great. I just feel like I could melt like a witch. On the, yeah, like a wizard of out there. I'm like, man, I should have just wore you know a Hawaiian short shirt and khakis because, man, brought a was, fan. Yeah, it was. Whew, it was that was hot. Oh my I mean, god, it was great to see him get married. It was you know it's one of my wow. It's one of those things. But it's just like, whoo, that was. I always remember that because it was like, yeah, yeah that that was kind of a. It was a good therapy for me because I was able to get around all those people like huh. that. Because, you know, I, I literally, you know, everybody showed up for dad's funeral, which was awesome. But I was able to get around and celebrate with people in a different way, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just 2002 was a really weird year. And I had a job where I was working at a insurance company, total loss claims adjusters, they call them. And basically, I had to call people and tell them that they're 1993 whatever neon is worth 
$800 when they thought it was worth $500, $5,000 when they wrecked it. It was like every other call, like the guy would be like, so basically you're trying to say I'm screwed. You're like, like, yeah, well, you know, I'm sorry. You don't drive a Lexus like you thought. (laughs) Anyway. um, But yeah, that was, there are certain years like that. They kind of just stand out for you. And I mean, obviously when a family member, somebody close dies, those years will always stand out to you. Like when your grandfather, people yeah. like that pass away, but that happened in '97 for me. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know, I it was it was a weird year because it was so you know so sudden. I mean, my sister was still in college, so you know she got to escape to college a little bit. Um, you know, and I was here kind of stuck know, with up, me picking up the pieces and. <laughs> Uh, like you said, trying to find yourself because you know that wasn't long after being out of college, and you're right. still trying to figure out where you want to go career-wise, and inevitably you're just working a job. Um, and it is—it's kind of like a quarter-life crisis, like you said. You know, we're thrown—we're we're told one thing by the world, and then we're thrown into the world, and it's a completely different thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, you go to college, you'll be fine. You'll get—you know—you get a great. No, not necessarily. Uh, you at the bridal place that year, still. Yeah. Yeah, I was at uh, what was uh, after okay. hours formal wear, uh, you know, working there um, at their um, offices in Norcross. And it was just crazy, mm-hmm. you know, because we had what, 9 11 the, the year before. So it was just a whirlwind of a couple of years. And oh, yeah, 2001, right. You know, I went on a cruise that spring before and, you know, had to. Yeah, I had that experience. That was fun. It's just like it was just this crazy, crazy, just you know, whirlwind. Like I said, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. there's no real, there's no real way to kind of encapsulate it. But you know, the past two decades have been kind of crazy roller coaster ride of life. And you know, it would have been nice to have dad there to talk to, you know, and to to uh, bounce ideas off and and just you know do things, you know, and my mom was always independent even when dad was alive, but you know, she had to step that up after dad died and you know, she's done pretty well. You know, she stayed at Coca-Cola did well there um, retired after 43 years and you know, they're taking care of her. She bought a house on her own here. Um, was able to get the first, first time home buyer credit for that. Um, and uh, our first time home buyer grant actually, um and so she was able to do that and you know it's just been an interesting thing i mean my sister gets married and moves to california um so it's back to me doing things again (laughs) to make sure things are on afloat so uh it's been a like i said it's been a weird couple decades but (laughs) weird couple decades (laughs) yeah pretty much are you are you on the odyssey jason (laughs) It yeah. seems like it. Um, <laughs> or the Iliad, I'm not sure. Yeah, it has it, just been a weird like roller coaster ride, but it's been it's been good because I've you know learned a lot. Uh, say I learned a lot, lived a lot, loved a lot. No, uh, and, uh, <laughs> um, well, well I know. think yeah, I think that. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that the purpose, not purpose, but um, the verse in the Bible. A lot of us Christians like to throw out there and use the the one where that um, I forget is it Philip. Peter Philippians, all things work <laughs> to the glory of God. Yeah. Uh, that, that verse. Yeah. And you really, as a Christian, people that aren't Christians, as a Christian, that really 
brings home really hits home when things tragic or weird or they didn't have to be tragic. It'd just be weird or something very unexpected. Yeah. That you did total curveballs of life. If you were, when those things happen, those drive us to our knees and they, uh, yeah, they certainly and, bring us closer to trying to understand that we don't understand life. <laughs> well, yeah. It's like, it's, it's easy to say this, you know, the old cliche of everybody in the foxhole is a Christian, you know, um, <laughs> because they understand when you're when you're forced when you're faced with some kind of ultimatum or some kind of weird thing in your life it's you know yeah it and always say i don't know how people without christ get through it you know i really don't um that's just me being honest i'm like i I really don't Uh, i because when you have no ultimate hope it's like wow you know what are you what do you go to ultimately because he's the only thing that's not going to let you down people are going to let you down you Mm -hmm. know even your best friends even your you know, friends you think you're going to have their whole life. Maybe not, you know, yeah. um, that kind of thing. And, but honestly, the people that are going to let, people are going to let you down because people are flawed, just like right. we're, you know, everybody's flawed. And the only true constant is God, you know, and you really are faced with that reality when everybody leaves the house and nobody's hanging around anymore, talking about remembering your dad that kind of thing that's when it hits home right is when you're like i've got to go back to normalcy of some sort here mm-hmm. you know and you can only do so much retail therapy you can only do so much of that kind of stuff and you know you feel bad calling people and saying hey let's go hang out and do something now granted i've always been surrounded by friends that are pretty willing to do that but you know there were nights i had to sit at home and go okay i'm here at home kind of sucks you know it's like it's just there there are times that happens and well i I agree i think that um you know we've all got our ways the um by the way something um if you didn't realize this my dad has that in common with you in some ways his his uh mother passed away when he was only 28 oh yeah so i don't know if you ever knew that that's um he said that he didn't sleep for three years after that. He's very close to his mom. Uh, yeah. So I mean, you don't realize how something's going to affect you. And then how um, mental and emotional stress can manifest itself physically in your body. I mean, it really mm-hmm. can. It can make you sick. I had a pit in my chest for you know a month or so after dad died. And I couldn't explain it. Hmm. You know, and just this tightness. And it was just like, oh, you know. Yeah. Um, well, uh, that transition to a different topic a little bit um <laughs> yeah i um we won't go into it too much because we're probably about to round it out but <clears throat> um one of my favorite shows i heard some bad sad, sad news kind of related in some ways um american pickers it's one of my favorite shows that, that i've watched before uh, i haven't watched it much lately but for a while there it was just one of my favorite shows and i'd watch it almost every week what the uh Mike Wolf and Frankie Fritz started the show. Mike Wolf is kind of the brains behind the show and got it really started. But they they're you know pickers and they go around America and find bargains and dealing wheel and deal and trade and all that kind of stuff and right. to resell. Uh, Mike shared today on his Facebook that Frankie has had a stroke, oh, so um, you know hoping that he's and they had a weird. Uh, there's some weirdness going on with those two over the last year or so that nobody's been able to explain. And um, 
Mike was saying that he doesn't, he says it's not really the time for him to clear the air as far as what their relationship is right now. But he said that he was just, you know, I guess praying that uh, Frankie's getting better, gets better, and it's not a big deal kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, but I've always loved the show, though. It's a lot of fun. It's one of the best shows to me. A couple of weeks ago, we had a show where we talked about characters that we know in life. If you want to meet some of the real American characters out there, just watch that show. Some of the guys, not just Frankie and, and Mike, they're kind of characters on their own, but the characters that they meet out there when they're traveling around America to me are just yeah, priceless. Crazy. You couldn't make up these people that they meet. Yeah, I mean, it's it, that is a good point that they go to all these these somewhat hole-in-the-wall places. The back roads. Salt-of-the-earth people that you really meet that have a lot of history to tell. And, then we, you know, you wish there was more time in some cases to talk to these guys about what they see. And I actually passed by one of the places they went to. No way. Um, one time up in uh, uh, North Carolina, um, just driving randomly. I'm like, oh, wait, that's the place, the little music hall place that they went to to, to go picking at, uh, where people used to run music hall all the time. And it's like, oh, that's that place, you know? And you, so that they're, you know, they're liable to come to a place that's within driving distance of most people that watch the show, you know? Right. Because uh, they're all over the place. And you learn a lot about American history too through some of the stuff that people collect yes you do and, and why they collected it and you know what it means to them and you know mm -hmm. the history the history of how things used to work you know and um i like to call it like screened in porch america you know like hmm. where you could walk down a street and talk to people and you know kids understood that any adult is an authority figure and you've got to, you know, you got to respect them and that, that the elderly people are a treasure, right? You know, that you listen to them and you learn from them and you, you understand that they've been around longer than you have. They have experienced more than you have. You might want to listen. And you know, I'm not saying that that time's completely gone, but you know, whether it's social media or just the internet and everything is kind of, Mm -hmm. lessened lessened the desire for people to do that and it can be that can be a little little like disconcerting sometimes you know you see it and yeah i yeah. agree i think that that show really does kind of play that out and they it, it's cool to watch them not just do their negotiating but they the stories that you hear in that show are basically oral history stories um yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if one day Library of Congress, if they haven't already put the, um, you know, all those episodes in, you know, as declare them as historical, you know, doc yeah. accounts of uh, oral history, because they have so many accounts of things that, and they meet so many people, especially when they go places like Memphis, they'll meet random people that actually knew Elvis yeah. or have memorabilia that they received from Elvis's, you know, cousin or something like that, or, Right. They'll, they'll go somewhere like California and they'll they'll meet somebody that's related to um well, well, well one time they met a guy that was good friends with Stan Lee, I believe, and did a lot yeah. of their stuff. So yeah, it's stuff really that's cool. true true Americana is what you call that, you know. Uh-huh. You know, this whole the whole idea when roadside America kind of when people used to Route 66. Yeah, Route 66, when the trip itself was part of the fun. It wasn't necessarily the destination. <laughs> it was it was what you saw on the way there. And Getting there is half the fun. You know that. It's true. And the old line from um, what's the railroad? I just watched uh, 
can talk about Ken Burns. I just watched Ken Burns National Parks series, which is really good too. You'd like oh, yeah. that. I need to watch that one. Um, and it talks about how the Great Northern Railroads and a few others had the slogan "See America First. Um, because back in the day, the well-to-do and people were still traveling to Europe to see the Alps and stuff like that. And we're like, well, we have mountains that are some, a lot of them are bigger than that and they're grand and stuff. You know, so it's, it's kind of that whole idea. This allows you to see America and it allows you to kind of get a, a tiny window into just some little people's lives. You know, why their grandfather or their father collected all these things, you know, where mm. he worked, you know, how he worked at this company that made this such and such, but yet he acquired all this. Yeah. A lot of people would call it junk. But I mean, and they don't even scratch the surface when they're picking, you know? Right. I mean, if they cleared out those, some of those barns and, and outbuildings and really discussed all of that stuff, I mean, it would be crazy. Um, you know, I, I would, I definitely have learned a lot from that show. It's one of those shows where if it's on and I'm not doing anything, I'm like, I just, I just leave yeah. it on, you know, you, and that's, that's kind of rare with shows these days um, that are, that actually have some substance um but yeah i really i really hate that that happened to frankie uh, prayers right. were sent out to him um, yeah i i was just thinking about one of the one of the best shows and i don't remember what season it was or what episode you had to go find it they met a guy i think it was in alabama that basically dug into his property and created caverns like he he went i think he dug like inside his house he went down and created like all these tunnel ways and he was using like spare parts and all kinds of other stuff to kind of keep the walls up and everything it was bizarre but it was the cool it was one of the coolest things i've seen I yeah mean, this was unbelievable because his his house looked like any other ranch whatever shotgun house you'd see and then he go in they go in there and they're like wait a minute are we going down are we going into the ground he's like yeah <laughs> it was it was bizarre but it was definitely memorable uh, and again, that's the kind of stuff you'd see at Route 66 or something like that. It's like, ooh, this the hidden cave, and it's really not a cave. It's something somebody made, but it's just it's fun. It's quirky. That's yeah. the word, quirky. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they're trying to do, make a comeback for Route 66, are they not? Are they like some places uh, are trying to redo, you know, old yeah. hotels and motels and yeah, and, and, and that's great. Anytime they can, to me, anytime you can restore old America, I, I like it. Um, you know, obviously they can't restore all of Route 66. It's actually not possible. Some of it's actually physically gone the road's gone mm. but a lot of the places that are the roadside attractions are trying to kind of and and they're they're cashing in on the quirky everybody loves the quirky kind of fun history stuff um yeah. you know it's in the same way you know you look at houses like we think about craftsman style houses or me mid-century modern houses things like that i was actually in my uh brother-in-law's parents and his brother's neighborhood um picking up my uh two nephews and there's a really cool bungalow mid-century modern across from his parents' house. And I'm like, oh man, that is so cool. And the guy and his parent, his dad's like, yeah, they're tearing it down. I said, what? Hmm. Yeah, they're tearing it down to build probably some board and batten new house, you know, that's just to me. The are they in Decatur area? No, they are in um basically shambly area. Oh um, gotcha. But uh Ralph Peachtree Industrial. So there's it's a neighborhood that has a bunch of mid-century moderns and they're like the affordable bungalows. Well, I say affordable, affordable is a relative term, um, in that area. And but it's just the same idea. Like, why? Why not just restore that house? Why are you tearing it down? You know, I did, like that you're it's lost at that point. I mean, it's mm -hmm. got the it's got cool little things. It's got, 
you know, one of the crazy roof line carports. And then on the side of it, it's got cabinets for that carport done into the design with, with the tops of them match the roof. I mean, it's just neat little stuff. That's the stuff that like, I wish there was a way to get it protected so people couldn't tear it down. Yeah. You can't go pick a house, Jason. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> um, I mean, you can, if you're willing to buy it, I guess you could it. pick a house, <laughs> uh, you know, but, but you know what I mean? Like you, and right. it's the kind of the same idea, like don't tear it down, restore it, save it for people that to talk about the history of it. And, yeah. you know, and that, that neighborhood was largely built kind of in conjunction with uh, another neighborhood near where a GM plant used to be right off of what you know, is now 285, but at the time it wasn't, there was no 285 and they built these neighborhoods. You know, well, that, that's been kind of the big complaint in the Atlanta area over the last 20 years though, 25 plus years is that, especially with inside the um, perimeter for those that don't aware, 285 perimeter Atlanta, they call it um, ITP inside the perimeter um, and some outside you get these neighborhoods that are basically oftentimes uh, 60, 70s ranches or earlier that kind of thing they're they're or craftsman style houses and such and a lot of times they'll get you know sold in these and some somebody will come in and they'll build like a mini mansion right on it and so you'll have like a, a whole you know you'll have a weird random road and neighborhood where there's 10 mid-century modern houses and then there's one house that looks like 1990s um you know yeah. brick with no front porch on it or anything right <laughs> so that's, that's been a crazy. big thing that's been a crazy big, i don't yeah. understand it i really don't um but then again i'm kind of an old soul so you know well um, you know i used to think because i watch this old house a lot and up there in boston where they work a lot they have to work around these historical societies that say yeah. you know you can only build this way and i and you know growing up i was kind of like that's ridiculous I and mean, why do they want to do that but now you look at it and you're kind of like Maybe there's something to that. I mean, you, obviously, oh, you don't want to be too busybody about it. Say, oh, those are just the wrong windows. But you know, <laughs> there is a certain point where it's kind of like maybe there is something to hey, let's try to keep a certain theme going here in certain neighborhoods. Yep. So, well, Jason, I think we should wrap it up. Um, All right. It's been kind of a um, a um, solemn episode in some ways, but uh, yeah, but solemn, but still you know, celebratory about other things. I, la so. I laughed. Yeah. I laugh any, anytime I can. One day <laughs> we're going to get my friend, our friend Scott on here. And oh just so the world can hear his laugh. I don't know if I can get him on. Maybe if I paid him enough money, probably not. Yeah, probably um, not. <laughs> anyway. Well, Jason, we'll see you next time. And thanks All everybody right, for joining us. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.